Situations we're following, June 11, 2023. The Mountain Valley Pipeline has suffered countless delays because of continued legal challenges from environmental extremists. Permits issued by federal agencies were on many occasions rescinded by judges. No infrastructure of any kind can be built with such a process. When the recently passed debt ceiling legislation deemed completing Mountain Valley in the national interest, it implicitly acknowledged that the permitting process is broken. This overrode the prior legal judgments. Let's hope this provides impetus for reform. Equitrans, whose frustrated efforts to complete Mountain Valley Pipeline led to its extraordinary approval by legislation, has gained over 50% as a result. The stock had previously included no value for MVP, priced as if it would never be completed. NextEra, a partner in the project, wrote its carrying value down to zero last year. But Equitrans remains well short of fully reflecting Mountain Valley's value. Morgan Stanley has estimated a $14 some of the parts price target for Equitrans. RBC has a base case of $10 as an upside case of $14. It's currently at $9.50. The threat of further legal challenges remains. The legislation removed the jurisdiction of any court over actions by federal agencies on this matter, but it allowed any claim against the law's validity to be heard by the D.C. District U.S. Court of Appeals. Analysts believe it's highly unlikely any further legal challenges can disrupt Mountain Valley's completion. We think Equitrans remains attractively priced. Another situation we've been following is Next Decade, whose planned Rio Grande LNG export project will be located on the northern shore of the Brownsville Ship Channel in Texas with easy access to the Gulf of Mexico. By combining carbon capture with the condensing of natural gas that's loaded onto LNG tankers, Next Decade says it will be the only such U.S. facility offering CO2 emissions reduction of more than 90%. In April, FERC reapproved the construction of Rio Grande. The next step is for Next Decade to approve a final investment decision so that construction can move ahead. CEO Matthew Schatzman expects FID to come before the end of this month. Substantial uncertainty remains over how it will be financed. We estimate that building three trains with 8 billion cubic feet per day of capacity will generate $1.8 billion in revenues and around $450 million in income to the next decade annually beginning by 2028. This is an 11 to $12 billion project for a company whose market cap is below $1 billion. Next decade's valuation estimates have a wide range, so any estimate of next decade depends heavily on the mix of debt, preferred, and common equity that's used for financing. The FID announcement should provide enough detail about how Rio Grande LNG will be financed to provide sufficient cash flow visibility that its perceived risk will fall. We think at current levels it offers an attractive return potential. The proposed combination of One Oak and Magellan Midstream has dominated our recent blog posts. We won't relist our reasons for being opposed as we've covered them extensively. See, One Oak does a deal nobody needs. The market-implied probability of the transaction closing has dropped steadily since it was announced on May 15 because the gap between Magellan's current and proposed price is widening. Jim Murchie of Energy Income Partners recently wrote an open letter to Magellan where he voiced criticisms similar to ours in objecting to the deal. Investor mood is turning against. Both companies will need to address the market's cold response to their work. In recent conversations with investors, several have expressed surprise that the midstream sector isn't performing better. Equity market leadership is incredibly narrow, see AI and the pipeline sector, so unless you own the half dozen or so stocks benefiting from the AI frenzy, it's hard to keep up. 
But fund flows into MLP products, which is a decent proxy for mutual funds and ETFs in midstream energy infrastructure, have been negative every month this year. Last year's inflow followed four negative years. First quarter earnings were good. CapEx remains low, helped by opposition to new projects, hug a climate extremist and drive them to their next protest. Dividends are growing by our estimation 2 to 4%, and buybacks are retiring 2 to 3% of the sector's market cap annually. Together with 6% plus yields, this provides the basis for annual returns of 10% or more. Clearly, there's no irrational exuberance causing investors to throw money at the pipeline sector. Irrational apathy might be more accurate. But the $837 million of net outflows through the first five months of this year is more than offset by the rate at which companies are buying back stock. There's also the explicit link to inflation in that many pipeline contracts representing up to half the sector's EBITDA, according to research from Wells Fargo, reprice using either PPI or CPI. Eventually, these persistently strong fundamentals will cause inflows to resume, as they did last year.